Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. It is such an incredible privilege to be here, and my heart has just been stirred tonight, as I know yours has, with just the presence of the Lord. The fierce love of God. Jesus is reclaiming his church. You have that sense? It's like, I'm jealous, I want my people back. As you were sharing that uh, scripture, Andrew, from Daniel uh, 7 there, I was just reminded of this young man from Indonesia that I met, and I was hearing his story. A year prior, he had been at a Bible school, and a mob had come through, and uh, crazy, they just, 5,000 people came, burnt the seminary down in Jakarta, and uh, they were assaulting people and whatnot, and uh, somebody, you know, he was in his dorm room at nine o'clock and they said, you know, there's looting and stuff. He went out to see what was going on and some guys grabbed him, put a bag over his head, slit his throat, and he was on the ground um, in a pool of his own blood. And he said an angel was standing beside him. He was, he was standing looking at his body, his own body. And an angel took him by the hand and took him into the presence of the Lord. And he had Jesus ride up to him, he said, on a great big white horse. He said he was welcomed into this huge hall where people were worshiping. He was taken into another hall, and he said it was uh, empty, but in the distance was a throne, and he realized this is, I gotta stand before that throne, this is a throne of judgment. And he said, I'm not not ready, I'm not ready to stand before this throne. So he, he said, can I go back where the people are worshiping? And Jesus said, no, I'm sending you back to your people. I want you to tell your people about this place and prepare your people to meet me here. When he was telling me that story, it was a year after this had happened. Uh, He was taken by some friends. He woke up on the ground in his blood and he moistened his lips with his blood because he said, I was so, so thirsty. And some guys saw him in the midst of all the confusion and the rioting and stuff. Some guys grabbed him and just carried him to a car. They took him to a hospital. And uh, he was unconscious. And the doctors looked at him and they said, he's either dead or he's almost dead. And so we, we can't, we, you know, it's just somebody had taken a, a knife and just slit his throat right open. It. And so he, he was, uh, you know, he, he was going to die. And uh, doctors said, we can't do anything with, 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 this, with this injury. And so, so we, uh, we're just going to stitch him shut. They stitched him shut, and he walked out of that hospital one week later. Nothing wrong with him. So when I met him, he had a scar all the way around his neck. And uh, what I remember was not the scar. I remember his face was just shining with the glory of God. You know, like he, he was living for the glory of God. He had been in the presence of the Lord and God had given him a mission to give himself to. He's from a little island near Timor 
in Indonesia. I just believe that when we enter the presence of the Lord, we have a whole new perspective, not just on who God is, but on who we are, how much he loves us, his call on our lives. Our lives get reoriented around him and around his throne. That scripture in Daniel 7 is powerful. It's riveting. Daniel spent three times a day as the chief civil servant in the most powerful empire kingdom of his day. He would slip away and get in the presence of God. Why? Because he saw the king. He was in the throne room. And the throne room of the king of Persia was nothing in comparison to the throne room of the king of kings. When our lives reorient around the throne room, we are never the same. We are never the same. I've been, uh, the Lord's been talking to me the last few months here about something I want to share with you here this evening. As I've been praying for revival, often um, we don't go back far enough in God's design and purpose for us. We focus on the gospel and somehow we formulated a very me-centered gospel, mostly dealing with our sin. This is the gospel that we celebrate and we sing about and we talk about. But I want you to know that there is a bigger story. God's original design for us in the garden, Genesis chapter one, I see three themes intentions, purposes that God has for us. And as we think about revival, I don't want just revival of something stirred up emotionally in our lives. I want, I want the awakening of God's original design and intent for our lives. Amen? Let's go right back to the beginning before this whole thing got messed up. Genesis chapter 1 is uh, there's, there's a number of just powerful things that God said as this creation account was, was given. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. Just think about that. And let them rule. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds there, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then we have that little window on the regular, the routine of Adam and Eve as they would walk with God in the garden. Walk in a relationship of communication and intimacy. And I think there's at least three primary purposes that I see in creation. One is relationship, face to face, us and God. He created us in his image for relationship. Elohim, God, plural, in the image, in our image, we're creating man and woman. And God created us for relationship, 
with himself and as relational people with each other. We are created for relationship. We are created with authority to rule. And third, we were created to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. It's God's intent for us. Relationship is the only way you get to multiply. It's the only way it happens. And uh, God's initial intent was that his presence within the man and the woman would continue to multiply people in his image, reflecting his nature and his character, walking in communion with him. That was his original design. With his delegated authority ruling in, in this world. We know it all got messed up. The enemy went after our authority, he went after our relationship, and he went after our capacity to multiply, to be fruitful and to multiply. We lost all three. We lost all three. And in Christ, God is returning all three back to us. His intent, like Noah, like Enoch, like Daniel, like all these men, women, who walk with God, his intent was that every one of us, not just a handful on the earth, but every one of us through Christ would be able to walk with God in intimacy. Relationship is God's design, his heart for every person that he created. He wants relationship, intimacy, communication, where we hear his voice and we listen, we walk in, in full transparency, we process our life with God. He shares his heart with us. Anything less than that is not God's full intent for us. So I'm saying I'm done with just a gospel of sin management. It's not enough. That reduced gospel is not what we're talking about here this weekend. We're inviting each other. The Spirit of God is inviting us into intimacy the restoration of walking with God in all of life, in authority, and in fruitfulness. It's not normal in the kingdom of God to be sterile or barren. If you have not reproduced, if your life has not been passed on to someone else, if you don't have children, spiritual children, it's not normal. It's not enough to just get your salvation ticket to heaven. It's not enough. This is not the gospel. The gospel is that we would be fruitful and multiply. It's not enough for a church to be birthed. Churches birth more churches. Believers birth more believers. This is God's design and intent in his kingdom. And uh, I just, this is the revival that I'm praying for. God's original design for us, created in his image for relationship, authority, and multiplication. Amen? Amen. I uh, love the calling out of authority tonight because 
It's something the Lord's speaking to the body of Christ all over the world. He's calling us back into our authority. The enemy has been beating us up and robbing us of our freedom. We know what happened when these three, um, when these three intentions that God gave us were taken away. Instead of relationship, man, Adam and Eve hid, right? They hid in the garden. They were, they were paralyzed by shame. Shame took them out. Instead of authority, they were walking in fear. Instead of multiplication, the first son killed the second one. Like instead of life and multiplication, there was death. And you see how the enemy just tried to rob and steal. And then in Christ, God began that work, um, completed that work of restoration. And uh, we have something to celebrate. We've been worshiping in his presence. We've been enjoying it, celebrating it. God wants to revive first love relationship in each one of us here tonight. He wants to awaken that desire to hear his voice and walk in intimacy with him. He wants to restore the application, not just the theory, but the application of authority in your life so that you actually have authority that, that changes how you order your thoughts, your attitudes, your behavior. You know who you are as a follower of Jesus. He wants to revive your capacity to reproduce, to multiply, to see others come to know him and experience his life as well. Romans chapter one gives us uh, a picture of the first restoration that we experienced in Christ. Therefore, um, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We have been restored into relationship, into peace with God through Jesus. People all over the world are trying to get this experience of a relationship with God. Do you realize that? People are all looking for some spiritual connection that puts meaning and purpose into their lives. Last summer, I was with Samir, who's one of our colleagues. I think Andrew's worked with Samir in the Middle East. We were out in northern Iraq last summer, and uh, we, had this, uh, we had four days of revival meetings in Erbil in northern Iraq, and we publicized them on the radio and, and the internet, and, and uh, we rented a, a wedding hall, filled and it, it filled up. People, hundreds and hundreds of people came, Muslims, uh, Orthodox, Christians, different people from different backgrounds came to this, uh, to this four-day event and uh, heard the gospel. So many people responding, just like so many people responding to the gospel. Second night, this guy, I was, he was sitting in the second row right on the edge, and uh, I shared a story uh, earlier in the evening, and we were all praying with people. He launched, when the call to prayer came, he launched out of his chair, grabbed, grabbed me by the shoulders, looked me right in the eye, and said, you gotta pray for me. 
pray for me. I'm like, definitely. Like, how? Like, what, for what? Like, you know, what, what do you need prayer for? And, uh, and I sensed he had authority. Uh, so I said, who are you? And, and he looked down, and I could tell he was just processing, am I going to tell this guy who I really am? He said, I'm a mullah. I'm the leading Wahhabi, which is the Saudi Arabian's very conservative Orthodox school of Sunni Islam. I'm the leading Wahhabi mullah in Egypt. A number of years ago, I became a Salafist, which is the radical guys who motivated the ISIS movement. He is the most radical of the radicals. He's so radical, Egypt put him in jail for six years. He was in jail with Morsi. When Morsi got released, and put in government, president of Egypt, this guy was right beside him. This guy is the Quran answer man. He's the guy people go to for answers on their Quran questions. He's on the internet, he's on TV. He is a, he is a household figure in Egypt. He's in a revival meeting in Erbil getting prayed for. How crazy is that? This guy gave his life to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? When I found out who he was, I spent the whole next day with him, just helping him learn how to pray and talk to God. Because his heart was so longing for a relationship with God. This guy was hardcore, hardcore, serious, dedicated to God, but never had a hope of a relationship with God. That's impossible within Islam. God is so holy, he's so distant, he's so far away. You could never hope to have a relationship with him. All of the activity of the religion is all about somehow earning God's favor. Somehow would God just allow you into his paradise? That's the only hope you might have. You never know if you're gonna get there. The third night when we were, had ministry time, he, started, he got prayed for and then he fell down and he was laid out and all these unclean spirits were cast out of him. Just one demon after another. The guy was totally set free on the third night. Totally set free. The presence of the Lord is powerful. It just provokes the enemy. If you're here tonight, as Andrew said, and you got fear on you or things getting stirred up in the presence of the Lord, you'll know it. Like you'll know, like, I'm not good. Something's going on inside of me. I'm not good. That's, that's outstanding. That is nine-tenths of the battle right there because you know something's going on in your life, right? And you're going to get set free tonight. Like, that's, that's outstanding. So if you, if you feel a little off and, like, something's, there's a battle going on, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, because you're going to get set free. This man has been a Christ follower for one year. He has been... Disciple by another friend of mine who's a medical doctor in uh, northern Iraq there. He's been several times a week praying with him. He said, this guy is devouring the word of God. Absolutely devouring it. Memorizing all kinds of chunks of scripture. He's leading Muslims to Christ on the internet. He's at risk because he can't go back to his country. His whole family's there. He's coming to Canada. We're bringing him here. Yeah. This guy is going to be another Apostle Paul. So I'm excited. I'm excited. This guy's one year into his walk with Jesus, and he is sharing the gospel with anyone who will listen. Anyone who will listen. Why? Because he's found life 
in the presence of the Lord. He's gotten set free from his demons. He's walking in the, the design, the authority that God designed him to walk in when he gave him life and breath. He's walking in intimacy with his creator. And he is reproducing life. Folks, if you know Jesus, don't let the enemy rob you from any of these things. Don't let the enemy rob you of any of these things. There's intimacy with the Father. There's authority. And there is the capacity to reproduce, to be fruitful. Now, the process of fruitfulness is not easy. You need to know that. He says in Romans 5, he says, expect suffering. If you really want to grow in hope, expect suffering. God redeems suffering. And he calls us to willingly surrender our will. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is the gospel. This is not the gospel of sin management. This is the, this is the gospel. Deny yourself. Don't find yourself. Don't create a better self. Deny yourself and die. And out of death comes life. There is no other way. So until you're done, I, I had a missionary come to me. I work with missions. And I had a missionary come into my office uh, about five, six years ago. This guy's an Eagle Scout. I mean, really, an Eagle Scout. This isn't just a metaphor. He is an Eagle Scout. I don't even know what that is. It's just like the highest thing you can get in scouting. He's an Eagle Scout. He, he was a youth pastor when he was 19 years old. He was a missionary when he was 23. He learned Mandarin. He learned Tibetan. In his late 20s, this guy has already learned two languages, and he is reaching Tibetans. Now, you can count on two hands the amount of Tibetans who know Jesus on this planet, okay? Like, it's the holy grail of mission. So he is working with Tibetan people. He's been doing it for about six years, and he's completely burned out. He is at the end of himself. And he's good. Like, he is sharp. He is focused. He is using best practices in every area. He is reaching people culturally, in a culturally appropriate way. He's doing everything he can. He's got no fruit. No one's coming to Jesus. He is stuck. He's done. He's finished. He's ready to quit. So he's sitting in my office with his wife, and I said, you're ready? Are you done? He's like, yeah, I'm done. All right, like, you're totally done? Yeah. I said, this is outstanding. <laughs> so you are done. Yes. So anything that happens from this point on will be God, right? Yeah. I said, let's get on our knees. Let's get on our knees. This guy encountered the presence of Jesus that afternoon in ways that he has not before. The precious presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit just attended him in ways that he had never experienced before. And his thirst and his hunger for Jesus was rekindled. This guy went back to Tibet and he started a prayer room. They rented a room on top of the building in the middle of 300,000 Tibetans in the city they live in. And they started getting all kinds of believers. Anyone who would come, 
to pray. Because they recognize we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not just a figure it out mission exercise. We're getting nowhere. We need the glory, the presence, the power of God. We need God to show up. And they began to cry out to God. They did 24-7 prayer. All kinds of different people from different backgrounds. Anyone who was, was willing to contend in the, in, the, in the realm of prayer got together. This guy, so, so crazy stuff happens when you do that. Crazy stuff happens. When you go through suffering and you come to the end of yourself, God can work with you. God can work with you. So if you're here tonight and your life has been challenging and difficult, I want you to know it's not, an end, it's not the end. It's, it's unto fruitfulness. It's unto the awakening of the affections of first love for God. It's unto a, a, an eternal fruit, not a fruit that's going to be taken away. And uh, God wants to birth that within us. So this, uh, this Tibetan missionary, um, I, I was with him a year and a half ago, actually almost two years ago now, and he said, the word God gave me this year was fulfillment. All the promises he's given us for the, for the Tibetan people, he's going to fulfill them this year. I've gone through my journals, he said, in the last you know, 10, 15 years, I, got, I wrote down all the promises, and I, I, I'm just leaving them up before the Lord. Fulfillment. I said, there's only two months left in the year. Like, you know, the clock is ticking. Are you sure that's, yeah. I said, okay, I agree with you. It's fulfillment. He wrote me an email, middle of December. You won't believe what God did. Don't you love those kind of emails? You won't believe what God did. One of the leading Tibetan monks who runs some monastery way up in the Himalayas who knew this guy wrote him, got a hold of them and said, I'm sending you all my novice monks. I'm going to send them to you for several months and I want you to teach them everything you know about Jesus. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I want all of these novice monks to be able to choose whether they're going to follow Buddha or Jesus. So you share everything you got with them. Well, my buddy got all of his friends together and they created like the most unbelievable youth camp on steroids. They gave these kids the gospel. They gave them from Genesis to Revelation, and they taught it orally. All these kids memorized all the significant revelatory stories in the scriptures, and they, 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 they memorized them, and they speak them to, back and forth to each other. When they leave that camp after a couple of months, they know the word of God by heart, and they go back to these monasteries and they're sharing what they've learned. So many kids have given their lives to Jesus. Crazy. This has never happened before in that people group. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit. And so God, as he stirs up our affections, sometimes through the dryness, the deadness let me ask you, are you at the end of yourself yet? Are you done? Are you done? If you are, that's good. That's good. If you're done and you're willing to surrender, 
God can meet us. He can meet you. He can meet you. He can revive and rekindle. Remember that story in John 21 where Peter and the disciples have gone back to fishing? You know that story? They didn't just get the little skiff out. They got the big fishing boat out. That's the word that's used there. And Peter said, it's not just let's just go fish for the afternoon. Let's get back into the... The implication is let's get back into the fishing business We tried that thing with Jesus. It didn't work. They killed him. And now we're back to fishing. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. And Jesus is not sweating it. He's sitting on the shore. He's just working with a couple of fish. And he's making breakfast. And he says, guys, you caught anything? And he has this conversation with Peter. And then he says three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Right? And he's stirring up his affections. He's stirring up his affections. And Peter goes from that conversation into a a 10-day prayer meeting that he leads in Jerusalem with 120 people. And they are seeking the face of God. Because his affections in the midst of the desolation of his soul have been stirred up. And he's starting to to feel like this, this could actually, this could turn... This could turn for the better. I'm supposed to wait here for the gift of the Father. I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm supposed to wait for the... When we receive the gift of the Father, we're going to be empowered. We're going to be empowered to do everything that Jesus has called us to do. For 10 days, they're in this room and they're crying out to God for the gift of the Father. And Acts 2 happens and the Holy Spirit... Like a, like a roaring wind. Have you ever watched the Transformations videos, any of those? They were years ago. I don't know if they're still out, but Transformations videos, they told stories of revival around the world. And one of the, one of the Transformations videos was from the Inuit people in the Arctic. You seen that one? Anyone? The Inuit in the Arctic experienced Revival. This one community, somewhere pond inlet someplace, way up in the north. Somebody had their affection stirred. They began to pray for their people. Then they began to call one another to get right with God. And as they prayed, God began convicting them of sin. Same thing he's doing in our midst here this evening. They got all their stuff that represented sin. I don't know what it all was, but they got, they got it together and they burned it on an ice flow offshore. They burnt it on the ice. All these Inuit people, they burn all this stuff. I don't know what they were all burning, but it was a bunch of junk. And then they went back into their church and the spirit of the living God descended on them. And somebody left the audio on and that audio, I will never forget that. That's, it's, it's not like a little breeze went through that place. It's like a freight train went through there. It's just... <laughs> the whole place is on their face before God. Everyone is flat out for hours as this freight train goes through. <laughs> it's an awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God.
Are we done yet? No, there's more. But we got to get to the end of ourselves, end of just our own self-sin management kind of stuff. We've got to get to a place where we are so focused on the throne room of God, the Lord God Almighty, that we're willing to set aside anything that gets in the way. We want, we want renewed first love, intimacy with God. We want to walk with him. We want to be restored into our authority as servants of the king, men and women who know who they are in Christ. Now the restoration of our authority, it says in Romans that those, how, it, you know, how sin was taken out by Adam as Adam and Eve sinned. Verse 17, so if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more, this is Romans 5, 17, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Are you reigning? Are you ruling? This is the invitation through Jesus to reign and to rule with him. Not in eternity, now. First time I started taking authority over thoughts, I was 19. Until then, I'd been a passive sponge, letting the enemy just rule my life. When I met Jesus and I surrendered to him, there was a significant change. No more playing religion. I went to Eden, the local high school here. I grew up in this community. Did all kinds of partying through high school. Won the Bible award three out of four years. I can memorize Bible verses. I can also party and do lots of things that grieve the Spirit of God at the same time. I walked across the stage when I got the Principal's Award, and I'll tell you, these are the thoughts going through my mind. They have no idea who I am. That's my thought, right? I'm not living for Jesus. I'm living for myself. I'm not ruling and reigning with Christ. I'm defeated. When I met Jesus, about a year and a half later, and I really met the Lord, I had to surrender my life. I was done. Done playing games. I had to surrender my life, coming under his authority, repenting of everything, and finding him to be all I needed. That was salvation. That was transformative, that changed my life. And I began to take authority over thoughts. You can smell a lustful thought coming from 50 feet away. You do not have to entertain it. You can say no in Jesus' name. You can begin to be vigilant for your thoughts. Now initially it's hard, initially it's hard. But you start standing on the authority that Christ has given you and you, can, you will experience renewal in your mind. How you think affects your, your emotions, your emotions and, and your character and, you know, and, and your future. So it's just like, it's just so important. So many Christians are not living with this authority over their thoughts. They're not checking the enemy at the door. They're living passive we're called to reign in Christ. You want this? You want it? This is our inheritance, friends. This is what revival means. 
Revival is the restoration of intimacy with God, first love with God. It's the restoration of our authority, walking in it practically every day. And it's the, it's the capacity to reproduce spiritually that other people would know the life of Jesus through what he has done in our lives as we, get, as we give witness to that. It's not just getting the words right, it's having a life, an actual life that can be reproduced in somebody else. So just think about you. It's you that has to be reproduced. And it's Jesus, obviously, but this is what we do. Multiplication, reproduction means it's what we're living passed on. Like Andrew was saying, like what's going on here affects him. And what affects him touches you. And what goes on in you touches, this is how, this is how reproduction works. Are you with me? I'm with our global leaders yesterday in Kansas. We had a rally and we had these guys sharing their stories. And there was a guy there, Heinrich. Heinrich's from Germany. He went to Kyrgyzstan 20 years ago. He led a shaman to Jesus. Like the first week, he was, the, guy, the shaman knocked on his door and he, you know, op- all he did is he opened the door. The guy came in with all his shaman stuff and amulets hanging from his neck and stuff. And the guy said, is Jesus real? Heinrich said, yes, he is. Shaman said, I, I can send spirits against people. I can manipulate spirits. Is that from God or is that from Satan? And Heinrich didn't know what to say because he was a new missionary and he gave him a, a long answer. And the guy's like, is it from God or is it from Satan? And he like, he was a scary looking guy. And Heinrich said, it's from Satan. And the guy said, I thought it was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> he took the amulet off his neck. He threw it in the fireplace, took off the black robes, disrobed. He got on his knees and he said, I'm asking for you to pray for me. The guy, the guy just like literally presented himself to this new missionary and gave, and gave, him, gave his life to Jesus. Get set free. That shaman has led so many people in Kyrgyzstan to Jesus. So one of the guys he led to Jesus is now one of our church planning leaders in those mountainous villages. He's at our meeting. He's standing up sharing how his life has been transformed. And he points out to Heinrich and he says, that's my grandfather right there. And I've got kids and I've got spiritual grandkids. So that guy is a great, great, great grandfather. I was just, I, I was just so encouraged. Be fruitful and multiply. Do you want to multiply? We were made to do this, friends. It's not enough to get your salvation card, your ticket to heaven. It's not enough. That's not the extent of the gospel. Be fruitful and multiply. It's our inheritance. It's what we were created to do. I want to spend some time praying tonight. And I believe God wants to meet each one of us. So there's three invitations tonight. Three invitations that God wants to revive us in tonight. One, 
intimacy, first love for God. You want to be revived in your first love for God, walking with God, talking with God, communing with him as your primary relationship. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. I've been married to Marjorie for 31 years. She's number two, actually. Number one is the Holy Spirit. I talk to the Holy Spirit all day long through the day. You remove the Holy Spirit from my life, I got nothing. I got nothing. He is my best friend. If you don't know Jesus through the Holy Spirit, Jesus was so excited to send the Spirit that he said, it's way better that I leave. Like, you guys have no idea what's coming. If you can walk with the Holy Spirit, you can do everything that I did and more. You believe that? You believe that? When I was in high school, I would never stand up in front of people. You know why? I was a stutterer. Okay? Fear of man controlled my life. I would never stand up and talk to people. I would never stand on stage and say anything. This is not me. This is the Holy Spirit. Never think, this is me. This is the Holy Spirit. Your life will be the better version of you. You will fulfill God's purpose and destiny for your life if you will yield to the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not just getting more of the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Amen? Will you yield to the Holy Spirit? So the first call is for, in, is for intimacy, it's for relationship. Relationship, walking with God. Second call is authority. If you're getting beat up, if you're not walking in authority in your, in your thought life, in your behavior, in your actions, in your relationships, God wants to renew your understanding and your practical experience of authority. He wants you to walk, as Andrew was saying this evening, behind him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He wants you to step into position and begin leading, not just getting uh, blown around like by every wind and every, every breath of the enemy and just getting tempted and manipulated by the, the enemy. No, you know who you are, you know whose you are, and you know how to stand in that authority, how to resist the evil one, and he will go. And the third call is for reproduction. And I believe God wants to release that love for, for, for people that allows the Spirit of God to use you as a spiritual father and mother to other people who he wants to birth into the kingdom. So I want to pray with you on those three levels. Let's invite the worship team to come on up and uh, let's respond to the Holy Spirit as we close here this evening. So Father, we thank you. Thank you that your, your intention for us is so good. Your design was so good. Lord, we, we, we recognize that there's, there's more. We recognize that there's more. Thank you that you created us for relationship. Thank you for the Holy Spirit's presence and that you want to walk with us and talk with us. You want us to have the experience of knowing the still, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. You want us to walk in obedience and surrender. And so, 
Lord, I thank you for that capacity to commune with you through the Spirit of God. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father, for the authority that you've restored back to us in Christ, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Thank you for this authority, and I thank you, Lord, that it, it's practical authority. It changes how we interact with others, and it changes how we resist temptation and the lies of the enemy. It changes uh, how we live our lives. I thank you for that authority, Lord. It cost you your life to win that back for us. We value that, Lord Jesus. We value that. We want to be, be faithful to that. We want to we honor you with how we express that authority, Lord. Thank you for the, for the multiplication, fruitful, reproducing work of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the capacity to reproduce. And I'm asking for that release, Lord, within your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'm asking, Father, for the personal application of these words to my brothers' and sisters' lives here tonight. And you often, Lord, you call us to actual obedience and response, so I'm inviting you to speak to us personally, Lord. Where is it that you want us to say yes and respond? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If God's been talking to you this evening about the restoration, the renewal, the revival of first love, I'd like to pray for you specifically. The Bible says when two on earth agree about something, it'll be done for them by our Father in heaven. And so I'm just wanting to pray a, a, a prayer of agreement with you that God renew first love. And why don't you just slip to your feet wherever you are and just say, God, I, I've heard that word tonight and I just, I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, that's me. I want revival of first love. I want the intimacy of the Holy Spirit to be renewed and restored. Just slip to your feet and just let the Lord know that that's your response to him tonight. And I want to pray for you in that regard. Lord, thank you for those that are responding and saying yes to the invitation to intimacy. And Lord, I'm asking that, Lord, you would speak to us right now about where it is, where it is, Lord, that... that uh, you want to actually speak personally into this. Where, where is it that we're either, we're either ignoring you? Where is it that we are, uh, perhaps we've chosen a rival lover? Perhaps there's another area that we are expressing affection towards that, that rivals our love for you. And Lord, wherever you want to speak to us, we invite you to do that now. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us what is it that would stand in the way of first love for you. The Lord is just reminding me that fear keeps a lot of us back from actually this face-to-face, -face, total transparent walk with God. And we wonder, can we trust God with everything in our lives? And I, if that's an issue with you, I just would ask that you would repent for fear. Just say, Lord, I'm so sorry for fear. I'm so sorry that fear has kept me back from the intimacy that you intended me to walk in. The Lord is just reminding me that lust has actually robbed many people 
in our generation here, and there's some here tonight that are just, your, your, your heart is actually divided. You, you do love Jesus, but you also love to indulge yourself. And the Lord would say, uh, it's, it's time to just let go of lesser things. You, you've been created for more than just indulging yourself. And the Lord would say, would you renounce and forsake that rival lover? Would you renounce and forsake? And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, we renounce and forsake lust in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You can say that after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce and forsake lust. I bind you in Jesus' name, and I resist you. Jesus, set me free in your powerful name. Release me now in Jesus' name. Release me now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The Lord's also just reminding me that religion is a lousy substitute for a relationship with Him. And so if you've been trying to earn God's favor and perform for Him, the Lord would just say, are you tired? Are you done? Are you tired? Are you done? If you're tired of of performing for God, just let him know that. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. Jesus, I'm so sorry that performance has stood in the way of our relationship, and I'm asking for forgiveness. Lord, set me free from performance. Set me free. I choose a relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. If you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, I'm just inviting you to open up your hands and say a simple prayer. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk, but get filled. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If that's your prayer, just let the Lord know that. And then just say, Lord, I'm asking that you would have all of me. I offer every part of my body to you as an instrument of righteousness. Spirit of God, take me and live through me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of God, I just ask that you would fill my brothers and sisters here this evening and that you would renew first love, empower us to love you in ways that we didn't know possible, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're interested in in being renewed in your authority, I want to invite you to pray uh, on that on that on that count here this evening as well. And I just I have a picture of those of you that want to have the Lord just touch their shoulders with his sword, just to kneel before him. There's a There's a commissioning, I believe, that God wants to do here this evening. And I can just see a number of you kneeling before the Lord. And he's just walking up to you with a sword. And he's just putting a sword on your shoulder. And I just, if that's that's something that you would want to, to grow in, you want to actually express the authority that Jesus won for you. You want to stand in the authority that Christ won. And you want to actually live that and resist the enemy in whatever way he'd try to blow you around in whatever area of your life where you're living defeated right now, I just invite you to kneel. Just kneel before the Lord wherever you are. Just slip out of your seat and just kneel down.
And I believe the Lord would just want to walk up to you and remind you of your authority. And actually, just I just see him putting a sword on both sides like the, like the knights would do. And I just see him putting that sword on your shoulder. I'm asking Jesus, wherever people are kneeling, I'm asking that you would just walk up to them. And Jesus, would you just, would you just establish them again in the authority that you've given us? The authority. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. These are your, these are your sons. These are your daughters. Thank you for the authority. Thank you, Jesus, for the authority. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your authority. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We choose to walk in that authority, Lord. And Father, where the enemy has been lying to us, I thank you that you expose those lies. I thank you that you expose anything that he's done to rob us of our freedom and our inheritance. And wherever there's a lie or there's something that the enemy has done to, to rob you of who God says you are, I just invite you to exercise that authority that Jesus has established and given you and just say, no, I resist you. Express that. Express that. And if there's a, a particular stronghold that you have continued to give into, where the enemy has been robbing you of your freedom, allow the Lord just to, to bring that clearly into view here this evening and say to him, I choose to resist the enemy in this area. I choose to walk in my authority in this area. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if your heart is to multiply and you would say, Lord, I haven't led anyone to Jesus. I would be, I would be considered a barren person if if people knew, I've never, I've never led someone to Jesus, but I want to. I want to. God's heart would be that you would reproduce. And I want to pray for you. If that's your prayer, just put your hand up, and I want to pray for you. Put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus, we cry out to you. Lord, your heart is that no one, that no one would perish without a knowledge of who you are. And Lord, we just confess that we care more about ourselves than we do about people who don't know you. Lord, we don't love them like you do. And Lord, we ask that you would stir within us this first love, not just for you, but a love for our neighbors, a love for our coworkers, a love for people, Jesus. Fill us with that love, Lord. Fill us with that love. Fill us with your love, God. Love people through us. Lord, I'm asking for new capacities to walk in relationship with people that don't know you. Lord, I'm asking for new levels of friendship, margins in our lives that open up spaces for friendships with those who don't know you. Give us interest. Give us the heart that pursues. Give us prayers of faith. And Lord, the joy of seeing people birthed into the kingdom. We're asking for all of that, Lord. We're asking for all of that. 
for every one of my brothers and sisters who's asking for the capacity to be fruitful and multiply. Release that within them, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.